0: I mean, I am so proud to be an American. Actually, she said I was about to take my own life. That you're not alone and that your brain is lying to you and that people do care about you and you will be missed if you're gone. I lost my daughter. She died by suicide.
1: And I looked at him. I knew he was dead. And then I had to go treat the guy who shot him.
0: And don't give up. Negu. N-E-G-U. Never, ever give up. Thank you for tuning in to this special series of Faith in Your Recovery. We're coming to you live from Lucas Oil Stadium at the Fire Department International Conference. We hope you enjoy these stories from the front lines. Stay tuned and God bless.
1: Welcome back to Faith in Your Recovery Podcast. Good to be with you again. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you continue to follow us, tell your friends. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on uh, Spotify. Keep hunting. We're just about everywhere. Our guest today is Russ Reimer. Welcome, Russ.
0: Yeah, thank you.
1: Hey, it's good to have you. Russ, tell the folks where you're from.
0: Yeah, sure. So I'm from uh, Manitoba, Canada. Grew up in a little town called Steinbach. It would be just south of of Winnipeg. That's the large city. Kind of, uh, we are literally the uh, longitudinal center of Canada. Ah. Really cold. We hit minus 50 this year.
1: Whoa. Yeah. What was your temperature when you left home to come here to beautiful Indiana?
0: Yeah, so temperature is actually pretty similar to Indiana. We're right around, We in Fahrenheit, we would be right around the 32 degree mark. Uh, we experience all four seasons, so we'll hit we'll hit up to ninety degrees in summer, but then we drop all the way down to that minus forty in winter. So if you come where I am, you're going to get all four distinct seasons.
1: I may come see you in the summer, but yeah. I want to make it in the winter. <laughs> no, okay, no, never no. been a winter yeah. person, yeah. but uh, that's cool. Tell the folks your career. Explain sure. a little about.
0: Yeah, that. yeah. So I'm an assistant chief. In a, uh, a volunteer or a paid on-call fire station, and in also in, like in a smaller city of about 15,000, with a service area of about 50,000, and then I'm a career uh, firefighter-paramedic in a large city close to a million population, 27 fire stations, Whoa. and so I do I do both um, uh, both jobs there, a firefighter-paramedic, and then an assistant chief uh, in the volunteer setting.
1: That's got to keep you pretty busy, I'd think, between the two.
0: Yeah, it, it, it does. And, and to a lot of people, it, it sounds busier than it is because I've learned how to put a lot of stops in place so I don't wreck everything in my life. Ah. So my, my wife and kids have to be, number one, second to the father. Uh, and, um, and, and And so I'm very hawkish on having straight days that have nothing in it hooray for yeah, you. That's yeah.
1: what it takes. I have like yeah. 35 years in ministry. Yeah. You hate to. There are times you have to say yeah. no for your benefit before you, you can be any benefit to anybody else, you bet. right?
0: Yeah, you bet.
1: Tell us a little about your wife and kids.
0: Yeah, so I uh, I was married 15 years, and actually, I'm um, not too long ago, I suffered through divorce. That was a difficult journey. Um, and so I have, I have four children. Two of them are stepchildren, and two are biological. I actually met my second wife on a play date. I met her in the school hallway picking up my boy. It's pretty neat. And I feel like I feel like uh, this marriage is, is like Jesus just made my second wife, like Taylor made. It's an amazing story of, of uh, I don't know, God's goodness. It just blows me away. So I now have the, the stepkids, and I'm an adopted kid. So even on wedding day, I, I vowed to my stepkids that just like I'm to my parents, I feel biological. I said, "Those two kids, I'm going to love you the same as my boys. You're now my kids," and I meant no offense to their biological father. No. But I, but I tell them, "I love you. You're my children," and um, and and so those four, I, I just love how I increased from two to four, awesome. and, uh, and and then my dear wife Mallory. Um, yeah, she is. Oh, she is precious. I couldn't do this without her
1: you know what the time that it takes the commitment the stuff yeah. that you deal with the stuff that you bring home yeah. they don't have to understand but when they've got that affinity and they love it because you love it yeah. my wife was that way through 35 years wow. of ministry nice. and uh, yeah. you know And actually, she's the one who helped me find Christ, Mm. who basically led me to the Lord by her example. So I've been able to blame ministry on her ever since we got married, okay? (laughs) That's awesome. If she didn't like it, I'd just say, hey, it's your fault. Yeah,
0: yeah. uh, Well, people are happy that it's her fault and that you're doing this, I (laughs) bet. Well, thank you, sir. This is great.
1: Appreciate that a bunch. Yeah. Uh, Let's go back early in life. You yeah. say you were adopted. Tell yeah. us a little about that.
0: Yeah, so I was I was adopted. It's a it's again a wild story. I was actually kept by my biological mom for three months, and uh, she had a real drug and alcohol problem. So when I've I've met her, so I know the story, um, and so she, somewhere around three months of age for me, she she wrote in a letter that she woke up. In the, in the morning in a drunken stupor on the floor, she I guess had passed out and made eyes on me in a, in a playpen or a crib and she hadn't fed me. And she said that I had slept my, or I had cried myself to sleep. And that day, the way she worded it was that a higher power moved her to give me away. So it's, it's kind of strange because I, I had an older brother who would have been six at the time. So I'm three, I'm three months already with her. She's 28, she wasn't a younger girl. And she just up and gave me away and i i and then she had another child so i have i have a younger sibling older sibling and i was middle given away and i ended up getting adopted by uh, um, uh, a couple named reg and lou reimer so so my my name at birth was actually stephen douglas presley but my name that i just gave you is uh, russell dale reimer so it's a very unique start already to Life uh, attributing to a higher power, which I now know to be Jesus, but it's just crazy that it happens before I would have ever known Jesus, <laughs> because because now I go to Ridge and Lou and Steinbach, which launched uh, a Christian background life. I like not going. To, there was no way I was allowed to not go to church. Okay, I, I, I used to I used to hide uh, under a chair. Actually, I didn't want to go to church, and it was an evangelical Mennonite church. And, uh, we have so, one of those in the area. Okay, so I am very conservative, and uh, and so I was raised by a really good, God-loving, God-fearing church people in Steinbach, which was leading to to all of where I am today.
1: Wow. Yeah. You know, I liked your comment there. It was something about before you knew Christ, but it's it amazing. wasn't before he knew you. Yeah, uh, the Scriptures are clear that he knew us before we yeah. were knit together yeah. in our mother's womb and mm-hmm. were fearfully and wonderfully made. And he convinces yeah. us of that just yeah just by his actions. Yeah. I know you're going to tell us more stories here in a minute yeah. of how he's worked in your life oh. and what you've tried to do in his name. And that's yeah. what we celebrate here. Yeah. Faith in, in your recovery. Okay. Yeah. Take us to that yeah. next step. You let us through yeah. the adoption.
0: Yeah. So a classic story here, you know, raised in the right ways, my personality, uh, not surprising. I ended up in the fire service, uh, I wasn't okay at some point in my life with God just being who I was told He was. So I had a lot of great upbringing, felt really warm and fuzzy at all the church camps, did all the stuff but then it wasn't good enough for me. so I started to try the other side of life and uh, in one of the I, I tried everything so drugs were in there but my heavy spot was alcohol and uh, you would have seen it quite early that I got into alcohol much heavier than somebody should for that age. What age was that? So 16, just like on the button. And I'm I'm, I'm still like this, I'm all in on everything. So when I started drinking at 16, it was like the one time I drank so much, the first time I drank a Mickey of whiskey, um, I thought it looked like a small bottle. So I drank it in six minutes. And uh, I was so poisoned, I was throwing up blood and I stopped breathing, like I almost died that night. And then my, my response to that, once I got over like three days of, of hangover, <laughs> or whatever that was, was I started full-time drinking. So rather than reject what just about killed me, I was, I was in it to win it now. I just never drank whiskey because it, it turned me off. But I started drinking everything else. So, but I had to keep it a secret because my, my parents didn't allow that. So there was no alcohol uh, allowed. So I got into a lot of, I would drive around and drink then, I'd get other people to buy me booze i mean by the time i was 18 uh even my buddies who i drink with if they actually knew how much i drank they would have never let me do that but i'd hide it from them so i'd show up to a party and drink what they'd see but on the side i'd be drinking way more so it wasn't uncommon sometimes by a morning where i'd count i'd have between 70 and 80 drinks wow and, and then i would drive home so i eventually got arrested for dui uh, but lucky i wasn't quite 18 I was actually uh, two months away from uh, 18 in all of the rules. I, I, I would imagine some of it's the same here, but you're not allowed to be a career fireman in, in Canada if you have a criminal record. And uh, I dodged that by two months because, because I, was, I was arrested as a juvenile, charged as an adult, but it, it still counted at, okay. at at five years my Your criminal record. age. Yeah, yes. so I've been criminally, uh, federally charged in, in Canada, but as a juvenile. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, uh, yeah, so there's the there's how, the drinking. <laughs>
1: how long did that go on? How well? How long were you an active alcoholic?
0: Yeah. So, so truthfully, because Jesus is in between here, and I'm sure that's going to come out of the story, uh, the active alcoholism went well after I met Jesus because I couldn't stop. So I kept it a secret in my first marriage. I officially quit drinking completely recognizing that I'm a full-on alcoholic at 30 how old are you now 43 so no no drink for 13 years
1: congrats never relapsed
0: never touched a drop from from one day okay yeah
1: tell us some of the doom and gloom the drinking brought about in your life
0: yeah you know that I I ran into Jesus and became a man of God that made it even worse because because uh, do me a favor Tell us how you ran into oh, Jesus. Man. I hope, I hope. Well, I always put this caveat. Some listeners will have a hard time with this. It's on another podcast too. And I, uh, my testimony is what it is. I rad, I radically ran into Jesus. Um, it, it actually, I, I would, I had someone die when I was 19 in my arms in a snowmobile accident. And after that happened, I really hated God. I like really hated him. If there's a God that I've been taught about, then I hated him because I held this person as he died. And I, I said, I'm way too young for this. I don't know what you're doing. I wasn't in the fire department. I was like, this is crazy. And But while I held him, I felt like God was also saying, you're not in right standing with me. You're not coming home to my kingdom. And I was just rocked. Well, that for about a year after that accident, I drank and did drugs recklessly to the point of really I hoped I would die somewhere, but I didn't want to commit suicide, but I was yes. suicidal. Yes. So I thought I thought, well, if I just if this just happens, you know, then then they won't call it a suicide. So I I was really bad for a, a year. But secretly what I was doing was I'd go outside, we lived in the country and I'd cry out for God to be real. And I'd cry and cry, just show up, show up, show up. If you're real, why don't you show up? Why? Why? There's nobody here, just me and you, show up. And I did that for a year. And um, uh, another buddy who is also a drinker with me, we knew because our parents are evangelical Christians that they'll pay for us to go to a Bible school. So I actually uh, crazily uh, wanted to go to Austria because there's a three-month Cape and ray called tauernhof in Austria. It's the shortest Bible school I could find. And then I thought, you know, if my parents will pay for me to go to Austria. I can go there with a backpack i'll get kicked out right away so i'll just go drink beer and and party in austria but but secretly that's what i was saying but secretly in my heart i wanted god to show up so i had this mix of what i've been taught to what i thought would happen there were bets at the places i worked that i'd get kicked out of the school in three days um i signed up for that school they on the category it asked if you ever did drugs or alcohol or whatever i made a new block um (laughs) I made a new category on their application saying, I'm currently drinking, I'm currently doing drugs. And my parents stopped me. I'll never forget it. I was at the kitchen table. They, they now had hope that I was going to find Jesus. And uh, they said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm telling the truth. No, they said, you can't fill it out like that though. You're not going to get accepted. And I said, if God's real, I'll get accepted. So I filled it out. I get accepted. I'll tell you guys. I I, I showed up there, hammer drunk, 4:30 in the morning in Austria, time zone changed, just completely lit up, smoked as many cigarettes as I could because I knew their rules were the next day I had to quit. I'm banging on the school door, and some precious Christian woman named Christine answers the door. I reek like booze. I was horribly rude to her, and I said, you know, I, I don't care if the school's not open just show me where my where my bed is i'm staying here i need to pass out and i passed out drunk in a bible school in austria woke up to guys from all over the world putting their bedding in i must have reeked like a brewery and cigarettes and and then it started to kick in what the heck did you do to kind of speed that up what happened okay three days into the school i'm i'm detoxing i'm going through hell I haven't had a drink. I haven't had a smoke. Yep, yep. God's still not real. I hated everyone in the school. I went up a mountain called the Planai, and people can look that up. It's a world-famous men's ski downhill in Austria. Okay. There's a path that runs there. Pretty steep, but it's grassy, and in a river. I went and found a spot along that river where nobody could see me on the bank, and I listened for how fast the rapids were, and I figured this is a spot where I can cry out out loud. And I can really let a rip on God now for where I am, and He's still not real and nobody's gonna hear me. And so what I did is I started pacing along that bedrock of that river saying, Where are you? And and then I said, If if you do not show up here, I might and I might cry here. Not a problem. This is really big for me. Cause without this, man, just nothing. And I said, if you if you're not real. And I mean, real, like you show up, I'm done. I'm done, I'm gonna walk off here, I'm gonna go get a drink, I'm gonna get kicked out of this school, I'm done. And I knew I'd never go home to Canada, it'd be too much shame. I'm done, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up dying in Europe. And uh, And as I did this pacing, all of a sudden over the water, like just in an instant, was Jesus himself. Now here's the deal. So here's where a lot of people go, what is he saying? So Jesus is standing here. Well, my reaction, first and foremost, like I think anyone, because now there's a man standing in the water, I was terrified and I just instantly went to the ground. I smashed my face right into those rocks. And I was down on the ground and my heart, where you can hear it pumping in your ears, yes, was yes. pumping. And my, then my logical brain started to kick in saying, there is no way you are actually seeing Jesus. And, and now I was mixed because I wanted to turn, but I was so scared he wouldn't be there. And, and, I, and I oh I get chills. And I turn, and man, he's standing there, and his hands are open. And the thing is, the reason why I know he's physically standing there, the train of his robe was over the water, so I knew there were feet. It was a fairly shallow section of rapid moving water. So it'd be about mid shin. And, and the train of his robe was on the water, so I knew there were feet in the water. And interestingly, I, I didn't rush out, I didn't do anything, but with his hands open, the thing that happened, which was amazing, and also the proof that was Jesus in the flesh, was within a second, like this is indescribable, he showed me everywhere from that playpen all the way till that day where he had always been. And I put my face back down, and rather than like excitement or whatever, what I felt as I cried, like I've never cried into those stones and and shnot coming out, just just sobbed there face down was relief because I'd already been told all this. And now all of a sudden I knew in an instant that means the kingdom is real. That means heaven is real. That means everything we're living for is real. It's coming. Jesus is alive. He is here. And now I met him and i just i just i don't know how long i laid there and then when i got up and rushed down the mountain and started telling this in the school this is very telling the staff from the school and i don't blame them they apparently i found out later they listened to me with all the school students so i started telling people i met jesus up on the and he said my face was all bright like uh, bright red kind of like the Affected the moses from the Shekinah
1: yeah. glory
0: yeah and and uh, they thought I had gone and, and shot up on drugs. So the school directors told everybody, and he was an Austrian mountain ski uh, rescue guy. He told them all, let's, we'll leave him today and tonight and tomorrow morning. I'll pull him in and I'll ask what he's talking about. Uh, they thought I had gotten high and, and came down high telling everybody yes, in a yes. Bible school that Jesus was real. And so then I shared with him what happened. That today at that school, I'm at a German uh, part of Firefighters for Christ. Uh, years back in Los Angeles, he told me my story because he's got a friend at a Bible school. He said in Austria, and I said, "Stefan, what school? Tauernhof Yeah, I said, "Stefan, I'm that guy. I'm the I'm the Canadian who." He said, "What? We held each other. I mean, it was like we. It's like he had known me for over a decade before I ever met him." Because he already knew my story, so the school tells a story of the the Canadian who met Jesus <laughs> up up on the river. So that's my that's my from that day forward. You know, I try to be like Jesus every day. I try. I But but, that. but 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 no turning back. I have a jacket from the from the kids song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back from that day. Whether I do well or not, whether I do well or not, I am trying to be like Jesus today. Dude, I've got
1: cold chills all the way down my spine. I mean that spirit oh. chills more so. And I appreciate to that think of that moment and and I believe in that with all my heart. Yeah. I've not had oh, yeah. that moment with that kind of visual. But I always tell people I can't tell you what the voice of Jesus sounds like, right. but I know it when I hear it. Yeah. And I felt yeah. that tap on the shoulder that said turn around, go the other way. Yeah. Look over here. Yeah. Try this. I <laughs> that's as near to the visual, but it's touched me as deeply. And yeah. I believe that with all my heart. Yeah. I, it's amazing. I'm picturing you with somebody who could paint that picture oh, of christ in that river
0: that's a good idea i, I
1: challenge you to get that that's done a good idea oh. when you spoke to the robe there yeah laid across the water i yeah. think you said yeah just to and be his hands to... were open Yeah, because it makes sense to me that the robe would be wet and sinking beneath the water. But a Jesus who walks on the water is the same Jesus who's going to have a dry robe. Oh, of course. A dry train on that robe. And the idea of the open hands, I oftentimes use visual imagery with people. Ask them to close their eyes to picture Christ. What's his body language? And his hands are always open. Of course. You know, it's tell the little children to come unto me. Hinder yeah. them not. Yeah. It's that invitational aspect. You know, when you spread your arms, and if I see you, I'm guessing you're going to want to hug. Oh, yeah. That's what he's saying, man. Yeah. I want to hug you, whether it's yeah. physical or heart to heart or yeah. whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. And you were there. Get yeah. that picture paid. I'll buy one. <laughs> All right.
0: You're, I've never heard that. And I'm I, going to look. Uh, that would be so powerful for me. You could, you know, Unbelievable. You
1: somebody you can talk yeah. through and yeah. talk. Who, yeah. And say no more. I guess kind of yeah. like, you know, within the uh, police world, you've got yeah. those sketch yeah. artists yeah. for yeah. a suspect. Yeah. And work that out. Yeah.
0: And, yeah.
1: Well, I want to hanging in my living room. <laughs> I, all it, right.
0: It's probably going to happen after all you right. said this. <laughs> all right.
1: I want to see it. So lead yeah. us forward from there because yeah. I know even serving Christ every day is not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not puppy dogs and rainbows. Okay. Yeah. Tell us about it, especially in your line of work. I know yeah. you're a member of the Firefighters for Christ. Yeah. Tell us how that's played into your career, yeah. other experiences, and how you've been able to influence the heart of
0: others. You, you bet. So yeah, so from that experience, I ended up backpacking. That was cool because it set a bit of a hook. I'm about to, with Firefighters for Christ, I've actually here while at india i found some inroads i have someone from saudi arabia that's uh i think he's going to come stay at my house but he's he's lining me up he's going to get me into Q8 and iran to go visit brothers there uh, so very interesting what the backpacking did after i after i found jesus i backpacked in europe and i and i had a heart for some reason i went to morocco egypt into the Muslim countries, and I I fell in love. And now all of a sudden that love's coming back. So that was a piece that I guess God was doing in my younger days, maybe that was laying the ground for Firefighters for Christ. But I returned to Canada, and uh, that's when I ended up getting talked into joining the volunteer fire department by a buddy of mine. And it's funny, I actually had to break off a relationship with a girl that I had been with a long time. Because she said you can do anything but not be a fireman. So I actually, I, I broke up with her and became a fireman. A lot of guys would probably laugh at that. Uh, um, and, and I didn't know that God was behind the fire service. I actually lived a double life thanks to the fire department. I did the classic go to church thing. But when I was in the firehouse, I hung Jesus up in my locker. There was no okay. way I was wearing him in the station. And so what I would do is I'd, I'd quietly hide all that drinking and smoking in the in the firehouse and then silently even from the fire guys and my first wife i was hiding she's she was a full-time medic i was hiding a lot of drinking i would drink while she was on shift and then get rid of even to the dumpster all the remnants of what i drank and then i did it every day and i lied i lied and i lied and i lied and and what bothered me because now i knew jesus was this guilt cycle of i can't quit drinking i want to quit drinking but I'm lying, and I'm lying to people I care about. And and I just continued on lying and lying and lying and lying uh, while drinking more and more and more and coming to greater lengths to to lie, to cover the drinking, even gas pumping certain ways so I could rip off money out of my own bank accounts to buy booze, like, like just crazy levels of deceit because I couldn't quit. And I also thought, well, this is crazy. I met Jesus. I love him with all my heart. I'm trying to serve, um, but I can't stop. I'm addicted, but I didn't want to tell anyone that, that I was addicted, which seems so silly. Like today, looking back, I think I would just tell someone. But for some reason, I just kept moving along, driving, drinking. And we slowly we were married, had kids, our marriage did not do well. It wasn't doing well. Well, I'm planting all these seeds of deceit. I mean it's no wonder we sure. were headed where we were headed. Sure. And so so in a lot of respect to my first wife, man, I really messed that up. You know, and I really I really might have been a good guy, but I was I was not a good husband and I was sowing all kinds of bad seeds in there. And it was actually at a it was actually at a firefighter function when I was thirty that I was actually mad at, at her and thought, even all this trying to quit drinking, why do I bother? You know, why do I bother being a good guy and whatever? So I had a fire department wedding where we were kind of hosting the the people, driving their cars and stuff. I got so drunk. I mean I was just I hadn't drank like that since I was a teen. And then I drove home. I th- I think I went and stole from from homes all over our city. I didn't go home. I drove all over I think stealing. I was 30 years old with kids trying to represent the Lord and then and, and I showed up drunk uh, at home and she tried to believe me uh, I was throwing up I told her all oh, it was bad meat I ate bad meat I was just totally drunk and uh, that night all of a sudden alcohol became something to me not alcohol and I could see Satan it became a spirit that was alive and I hated it I just hated it so bad that i said when i woke up that next morning i said i will never touch this stuff ever again as long as i live now at the time i mean my my uh ex-wife now that she said yeah right i mean I, i'm lucky i didn't get thrown out right there uh but i knew it in my heart it's over and this me and this marriage to alcohol is done and that's that's I quit right there. I never touched. You were able
1: to quit cold right turkey. Right there, right you there. Didn't go, you didn't go for treatment. No we're way. We're not n- suggesting n- that. N- nothing. We're just telling your story. Yeah, yeah. And that, you were able to do
0: that. Yeah. Okay. I just quit right there because I hated it. Okay.
1: Yeah. I want to point something out. More than once, you've alluded to the fact that you had connected with Christ, your love for Christ, but still you had those battles going yeah. on. Folks, I am of the theological belief that is more than possible. There are those times that Christ will take it away from us in yes. a heartbeat. There are those times he expects us to let go of it. We're not always able or we're not always willing, Yeah, but it doesn't diminish his love. It doesn't diminish the fact he died on the cross for those kind of moments. Yeah, and that we've just got to keep our nose to the grindstone. We've got to keep climbing the mountain to have that moment to mm-hmm. to witness him. Uh, sometimes we've got to step into the water with him or step onto the water with him yeah. in faith. Yeah, and other times he'll come to us and say, "Today is the day. Yeah. You found your day. Move us forward."
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. Take us forward with that. Yeah. from That
0: time. You bet. So fast forwarding now. After all this, uh, my my marriage, as I, as I mentioned, it it did it did not it did not make it. It uh, uh, I had quit alcohol now in two thousand and. Nine, so I, I'm not sure without looking where this correlates to the stopping of drinking. But I ran into Firefighters for Christ booth while I was still with my first wife at random. Well, not at random, by Jesus. In San Diego, I ran into John White, the original founder, at an at a expo just like this. I just ripped around the whole place. There was like an hour left. Uh, I paid... Twenty dollars, which I wasn't happy about, with an hour left, and in uh, the last booth I hit was firefighters for Christ, and I thought, "Whoa, this is neat. I've never heard of this." And um, and and my parents at the time—they're snowbirds. They like to go to Palm Springs after San Diego. We went back to Palm Springs, and there, almost audibly, uh, in a hot tub, sitting there in Palm Springs, God spoke to me and said, "That what you just met, you're going to do that in Canada." And I thought, "What in the world?" And you know what the first thought was? Oh, no, my double life walk in the firehouse is over. How am I going <laughs> to yeah. run a ministry and still and still kind of be yes. a different man? That means I got to wear Jesus out of my gear locker. I thought, oh, my goodness. But I told you, when I met him in the river, no I said, yeah, back. I'm all in. So I couldn't say no. So I, I went numb. And shaky as as we announced, me and two other brothers stood up and announced to the to the volunteer fire department that that I was called to do this, and whatever this means and turns into. I wanted them to be aware of firefighters for Christ. Well, that particular station has gone from maybe three four uh, percent Christian guys in a station to eighty five percent in a decade. It's completely revolutionized the station in the meantime i also ended up getting uh, a paramedic license and hired into career uh, a career uh, large city of winnipeg where there's a, a b- close to a million people and um and doing the uh, both jobs and i did suffer a divorce in there while running a firefighters for christ chapter in manitoba so um well I got the divorce well it blew the chapter up well firefighters for christ international was so encouraged by our young chapter because a lot of people have gotten older and they were looking for god to show them young active duty guys coming and running chapters and here in canada that's what we were and our chapter was exploding with growth and then off me as a leader alston's headed into divorce Well, it blew that chapter to pieces. I left the chapter completely. I actually got told off by someone thrown out of my own fire station. Um, It's really ugly what happened, but it needed to happen. And I told the guys, I'm gone. I'm done. I'm out of here. And so now I wasn't even in Firefighters for Christ at all. Some of the headship that's even here at our booth uh, came out to, to see me in Canada while I was going through this away from them. Gotcha. I, I tried to hide from them, but didn't. it didn't work. They found me. Um, and I was completely shelved. I, I pictured a life now of a little corn broom. I have this picture of a little corn broom, a little corner of a house. And I figured post-divorce, that's all God's going to give me. That's it. I'm done. I'm of no use. I've had a divorce. Who am I? You know, and... Uh, And instead, uh, I found this new uh, woman, Mallory, on that play date. We ended up traveling in Maui, this is crazy, and a guy prophesied over us in Maui, words he couldn't say, at this little Lahaina Christian Fellowship Church, And and he said to me, I wasn't wearing anything fire department, I hadn't worn an FFC shirt in over two years, and he said, I know this is Firefighters for Christ. And I mean, so we knew we had to go back, and I didn't even want to. So I, I, I talked to the, the current chapter leader at that time and said, God spoke to us in Maui. This is what he said. So you need to ask the chapter if we can come back. You guys need to pray and listen. And in, And if I can, I said, I want to come back and start by apologizing. Because it wasn't just me that had a divorce. It was all of you. Yes. And, uh, and so that's what happened. So I came back in as just a, a member uh, of Firefighters for Christ. But then God started telling me, go tell the leader, you're going to relead it. I thought, well, that's the most prideful, arrogant thing I've ever heard. Go tell a leader, listen, I'm supposed to be the leader after he carried it when I destroyed it. I couldn't get rid of that for months. I couldn't sleep. And uh, finally, I sat this young man down. He's much younger than me. And I said, listen, and and... He's not very impatient, and he—I couldn't say it. I was having a hard time saying it, and he finally said, "Say what you need to say." And I said, "Listen, I think I'm supposed to re-lead this." And he just said, "I've been waiting for you for like three months to tell me that," uh, and I just started weeping again right so in the firehouse. God had already prepared his oh, heart. Oh, and you know what? And I don't—I don't. Well, we—I really don't deserve this. I really. I really would rather be punished. I really don't feel like I deserve this, but the father showed me something about himself that's far more stunning than I ever knew about the father. It, it makes no sense how much he loves us. His grace makes no sense, the depth of it. It's like my life is unbelievable since I got divorced, and then now on the international board. So I'm one of the members of, of the leadership for Fire First Christ globally, and this is all post-divorce, and in and in with a, a wife who's like tailor-made for uh, all of this. I mean... Uh, I'll, I'll probably got to mention the kidney stuff that's going to come. But yeah, yeah, wait wait till I tell there. you what she's doing. So, I, so, so some of the, I mean, I, most people who know me, I'll do anything for Jesus. Like I told you, I'm all in. So I, I, I'm, I'm knowing that I'd maybe do some things people think are nuts, like going to Iran or, or whatever I'm going to do. Well, that's what I'm going to do. Well, they um, did
1: not always agree with Paul's choices, yeah, yeah. the choices of Peter. The list goes yeah. on, okay? Yeah. It's one thing to be nuts, another thing <laughs> to be nuts about Jesus. Right. All right? So, yeah.
0: So I hear from another firefighter, and I'm, I'm also a provincial evaluator and fire instructor uh, at the provincial level. So people who take their fire training in, in Manitoba, a lot of times I might be their evaluator to get to get their certification. Okay. So I'm the guy who stands with a clipboard saying yes or no. So that's a pretty neat position as well. Um, I like to keep people calm. and get really nervous. I like to remind them I was right where you were years ago, 21 years ago. Um, and so, uh, also, I heard from another brother, he tells me in the firehouse, Did you hear that uh, Kyle Schmidt's in, in renal failure? And I said, Kyle, like my Kyle Schmidt, like Winnipeg Fire, the guy I trained with, another guy right on my fire department. Yeah, he's full renal, failure dialysis. I said, what? He never He's never said anything. I just finished evaluating with him. I didn't even know he was sick. He's 38, uh, 39. Um, I texted him right away. I said, Kyle, brother, are you, are you in renal failure? Well, he called, yeah, yeah, full dialysis. Kidneys went to three, 5% capacity. I mean, he'd be dead. Uh, I knew nothing about kidneys and, and donors or we're chatting. And I just said, bro, I'll give you my kidney. And he goes like, what? And I said, I'll, I'll give you my kidney. I said, wait a m- can I do that? Like, how does that work? So I actually called our donor program, the Living Donor Program backwards with no knowledge. I just said, uh, Kyle Schmidt needs a kidney. I want to give him mine. And they said, well, did you like who talked to you? Or, I said, nobody. Can, how, do you, how do I do this? You know, typical fireman. I thought, well, let's go right now. Yeah, yeah. Um and then I researched it backwards, you know, to how it all works. So that whole that whole thing is happening actually May twelfth in just over two weeks. I'm getting cut open in my left kidneys going to Kyle Schmidt, another Winnipeg fireman who's I'll have to apologize if Kyle listen I think he's 39 right now his birthdays right now so I'm, I'm 43 I'm just a few years older than him he's got a little daughter he can't play with he's on dialysis seven days a week every day so he got knocked out of suppression uh, he clips in overnight so kind of 8 9 p.m till morning he got moved over to uh, uh, fire prevention because he can do that he could do dialysis and do fire Kay. prevention so so and then with Canada and covid uh, in combo, we've been at this process for a year and a half and we still they won't do the surgery well they just announced here conveniently just before this podcast like a week ago that our surgery date is May 12th so I've been here at Indy able to tell guys I'm actually doing it going under the knife May 12th for another fire brother well I'll tell you when you say in the firehouse that you'll step up for another fireman and cut an organ out and then you combine that with oh and by the way Jesus is real so Kyle he, 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 he's he's not a man who comes from a faith background. His mom had some faith, so he knows, and, and he'll listen to this, he knows this is all about Jesus and his life in eternity with me. We're claiming, I mean, I, I think he's in already. Like, we're gonna be brothers forever, there's no question. And in his precious wife, Lindsay, and uh, both of them coming into the kingdom, and their daughter—that's what it's really about. And yeah, and in—and in all those other firemen, thinking Reimer there on three platoon, four station is nuts. I wonder, yeah, nuts for Jesus.
1: Yes, I wonder how many people would go as far to say, "I'm committed enough to give my kids totally. to see somebody so one to him. Totally. So how's Mallory handled
0: this? So, so Mallory. Now let's. This tailor-made wife, okay? If people are wondering how she's handled, it, this is going to be a good summary. This just happened yesterday. This is crazy. Again, the timing of your podcast. She messaged me in the morning a story of someone at home off our social media that's popping off of the kidney donation because it's on my Instagram. So we have a Firefighters for Christ Manitoba, so Firefighters for Christ MB is our, is, is our uh, Canadian Instagram page. Kay. My kidney stuff is on there, so I'll be posting... Uh, on there to try and post this journey well somebody clicked on her saying telling her a story of their sister who's only 18 now 21 who had a failed kidney donation and is really sick and and the brother reached out to Mallory while I'm here at Indy saying would you know anybody that would give a kidney to my sister well Mallory messages me and asks me if it'd be okay if she would give her kidney to that girl I said babe what I said, well, I'm here at Indy talking to everybody about giving a, you're going to put in the living donor program. And by the end of yesterday, I connected her with my nurse, my my wife at home. If you're wondering how she feels about it, she's about to try and be a kidney donor. This is, this is unbelievable real man, that's the woman i'm married to break loose in
1: tears just the it's, god touch it's the god moment you know it's one thing to hear your story oh, but man. when you throw that in it's 24 hours fresh that's unreal okay give yeah. or take a yeah. couple yeah yeah yeah. That doesn't happen without Christ. Yeah. So the okay. listeners
0: can pray, pray that my wife is a match to this girl because you need to be a match. I'm Absolutely. a perfect match to Kyle. Yes. I did ask them by the way when they, the hospital said you're a perfect match. I wanted them to clarify what does that mean? Perfect match. Yes, yes. They said, we'll put it to you this way. If you were if you were identical twins, you guys wouldn't match this well. They said this is unheard of. You're identical match. Uh, they said it's once in a career maybe for a surgeon. And I wow. said, okay, I just want to know because I don't want to embellish the story. I said, I yeah. tell a lot of stories. <laughs> and so I wanted Health Science Center in Manitoba to tell me. And that's what they said I was, whatever that means, a perfect match. Yes, yes. So I, I'm the best wow. match for him to have a kidney that takes and for longevity. Yeah, Because yeah. he will run the risk of he needs to take care of that sure. kidney. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Rust.
1: Thank you so much yeah. for what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, thank you obviously a for being part of our podcast. Yeah, but big stuffs what you've shared with us, and what's ahead with all that's behind. I can't imagine what's ahead. Oh, me neither. <laughs> but dude, I'm gonna push you. I've got your email here. Yeah. And I want to make sure that yeah. I've even got your phone number. That yeah. picture comes to fruit someday. <laughs> I want to see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. Thank you. you. Bet. God yeah. bless. Thanks for having me. I appreciate me. your work as yeah. far as Firefighters for Christ. And yeah. With your family, we know the struggles have been there, but you're at victory's door and you're living victory now. I know you'll continue to, and you're going to share it with others. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Have a good trip back to Manitoba when that moment comes. Enjoy life there and try to make it through this next winter, all right? Yeah, (laughs)
0: Yeah, we'll try to stay thought (laughs) out.
1: All right. Well, God bless and thank you.
0: Thank you.